It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo, and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you, with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations, so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome back to the Transfer Tracker Podcast. I had to jump back on here, guys, and do some more commits. We had a massive, massive commit today. Norchad Omir, my number seven best player, is has committed today. And yeah, that's a big commit. But the reason it's a super big commit, in my opinion, and we almost need an emergency podcast and to, to wrap up our other commits anyway. But he's going to Miami. And my number one player, Nigel Pack, is also going to Miami. So that's number one and number seven on the list that they have landed. Very, very impressive for Jim Laranega. Now, we talked about this last time. Nigel Pack, he got $400,000 a year and some car. We don't know what kind of car. And I, I wondered, you know, out loud, like what kind of NLI money Miami had to work with. You know, was this half the budget? Did they have like over a million? This kind of information I would love to know. Obviously, they're they're paying this guy something. He's got to have a awesome nil, you know, package as well because he was one of the obviously one of the best transfer recruits out there that everyone was after. They didn't just get this guy with the you know pocket change left in the couch. He had to. He got paid something pretty nice. So let's just look at. What kind of season he had? He's six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. He averaged eighteen points a game, twelve rebounds, one point four blocks. Versus the number two hundred and thirty four strength of schedule, he had a thirty five per. Yes, let me repeat that: thirty five per. Let's see, eighty six defensive rating, sixty seven percent true shooting. That's wild. He was also very good last year, averaged like 13 points, 12 rebounds. Also 1.6 steals this year, I forgot to mention that. Uh, doesn't facilitate 1.2 steal, uh, assist, but you know, this guy, he's he's great. And I just reading, I've watched the highlights of him. Um, he, he doesn't have long arms, and I looked up his wingspan, and it was listed at 6 foot 8. So that's a little unusual, but I mean, who cares, man? When you're able to get this kind of uh, efficiency, production, uh, hustle stats, you know, dis- disrupting stats like blocks and steals nearly two a game, you know, it's, you know, who cares? I don't, I don't care. He could be six foot five with some little T-Rex arms. And if, if you're getting it done, my, my philosophy is if you are getting it done on the court, I don't care. Like if you're six foot two power forward and you're getting it done, that's what I care about. And, of course, there's probably a level at which, you know, that's not going to happen as easily. But I think this guy is going to have very little problem moving up to the ACC and being productive. Uh, he, he's not going to have a 35 PER, of course, but he is going to still be productive, in my opinion. So I have uh, posted my class rankings on the transfertrackerpodcast.com. So go check that out. The transfertrackerpodcast.com. Got class rate, uh, rankings, uh, the best classes. LSU was in the uh, number one spot. They have five committed transfers. 
Miami obviously is going to jump to the number one spot. You you have to have them there. You got number one and number seven in my top ten. So there's there's no way you can cannot have them at number one right now. In my opinion, if they don't add anything else, and if they do add something else, it's just kind of gravy at this point. But uh, go check that out. I've got all the classes. I, I don't just have like you know they signed this player and and you know they signed five players or whatever. I've listed out each player they signed, which school they were coming from. You know, with stats like their PER and their you know raw stats, their two most prominent ones. So it's pretty easy to look at the classes and get a, a good idea in a very you know instant of what it's made of. So let's talk about what Miami is made of next year. Of course, Jim Laranega will be 73 years old. He returns, and he's got what looks appears to be a very good team returning, even though he lost potentially his uh, three top scorers. Two in McGusty and more to graduation, and Isaiah Wong has declared for the NBA draft, but left open, open the option to come back. If he returns as the star of a Elite Eight team, and you add a first-team Big 12 player in pack and the Sun Belt Player of the Year in Amir, that's a hell of a big three and a huge rebuild for Jim Laranega. And he, he may, may not be done yet. I think the way he's rolling right now, we just got to keep watching. Who, who knows who else he might pick up? They, they still need a, a shooting guard, I think, uh, unless you're going to play pack off the ball. He is capable, like I said, of playing you know, on the ball, he averaged nearly four assists his first year at Kansas State. So we'll see where he goes with this. Okay, so let's talk about some of these early classes that we have going now. It's still very early in the process. There are several schools that already have five five to seven uh, transfers in their classes. And I've already started my best classes and putting them together. And so this is very hot off the presses. But like I said, I, I think you've got to <laughs> jump Miami to the very top absolutely at this point if you listen to the last pod you know that there's roughly about 10 of the top 25 players on my list had committed just to give you an idea where we are there are still tons of of great players out there so i absolutely expect this uh the classes the rankings of the classes to and the makeup of the classes to change it you know just like we saw miami get two players in the last three days i think you can I think we probably will see other examples of just classes exploding out of out of nowhere. Maybe a class right now that has two or three kind of so-so players, and they they can land a couple of awesome you know players like West Virginia or someone that already is on the board, but you know might get a big fish. Okay, let's talk about who was number one in my best classes up until uh, two or three hours ago. LSU with new coach Matt McMahon, and he pretty much had to replace the entire team as well. But he's off to a good start. I got to give him credit for that. I have the classes laid out on my website, almost like if they were a lineup. So we'll start with the center position and who would project in this transfer class to play the center position. That's Kendall Coleman from Northwestern State. He was ranked on my list, I think around 80th. Six foot eight, two thirty, average. 15 points, 10 rebounds, had a 24 PER at Northwestern State. So, very big pickup. Very productive. Has good size. I think that's a great way for Matt McMahon to start out. 
What is probably even more helpful is uh, Justice Hill, who was ranked at number 71 on my ranking list, and also Trey Hannibal. These are two players, Justice Hill and Trey Hannibal, that Matt McMahon brought with him from Murray State. And if you don't know, Murray State had a hell of a team last year. They were, you know, top 30 net team. They went to the NCAA tournament, got to the second round, were like a number seven seed. So very legit season. They were two of the driving forces. Uh, Trey Hannibal had played in the SEC before at South Carolina and been fairly productive there as well. So I have no doubt he can play. And I think, I think the biggest aspect of this is they bring – you know, the culture with them. They know how Matt McMahon wants to run his team. They can help bring the other new transfer and everyone else that he brings in, help bring and instill the culture with them. And that's a underrated aspect, I think. And Hannibal was just outside my top 100 ranking list. And also rounding out the class, Cam Hayes from NC State, who the year before last played on I think an NIT team that averaged eight he had averaged eight points three assists uh 14 PER and then Derek Fountain from Mississippi State who's averaged as much as uh five six points a game three rebounds 12 PER so it's a hell of a class and it it fits it's like a perfectly aligned class where you have someone at every position that's pretty qualified to be there it is quite deep but like I said, it needs to be as many players as LSU lost. So, you know, I think probably re- recruiting the early part of it, if you have no one on the team and you're a, a big P5 school, you should be getting players because you have playing time to offer. He had lots of playing time to offer. So we'll see if he can, you know, continue on and add even better players or if this is kind of, you know, shot his wad here. So we'll see. Next up. Missouri, also with a uh, first-year coach. So it's kind of interesting that the first-year coaches are doing so well, and uh, McMahon and Dennis Gates at Missouri. But the thing is, like, both of those teams needed so much. So they had massive amounts of playing time to offer. But I still think it's it's a great sign that they are capitalizing as quickly and as well as they are. Now, Dennis Gates has landed a couple of big JUCOs like the number one, what is considered the number one JUCO in America. Now, I have not included him on the transfer rankings. I hope to eventually start included, including the JUCOs as well. But it's just, it's like drinking from a fire hose at this point. So give me some time, guys. I will, uh, I will work on that as well when we get to it. But, of course, JUCOs are transfers as well. And, you know, this is the Transfer Tracker podcast. So we're going to talk about JUCOs and not limit ourselves. I think you just need the context that to know that there are two top-notch JUCO transfers as well, which we will later include. But let's talk about the Division One transfers that he already has, which is very deep. And guys that are very high on my list, not necessarily in the top 100, only one top 100 player, number 46, Noah Carter, who is six foot six, two thirty from northern Iowa with a 24 PR average 15 points a game four rebounds a game that's a little troubling when I watched video of this guy he was getting most of his points in production in the paint so I was a little bit worried about that but I obviously still had him ranked very high and he he rebounded better the year before I just I would like to see like you know seven eight rebounds so if if he's not quite as productive you know as the 
as he's leveling up and and it becomes harder to score around the basket like he was doing in the Missouri Valley Conference, he would have other skills like, you know, his rebounding or something else to fall back on. And it was a little troubling that he only shot about 31%, I think, from three-point range. You know, but he was still productive. I still had him ranked high. You know, I still think he's a he's a great get. And, you know, guys get better as they continue to age. So maybe he improves a little bit and he can get his, his three-point shot back up. He had shot higher, I think, in his freshman year or something. So there's some potential there. And also like McMahon, Dennis Gates brings two players with him from Cleveland State, and he he took Cleveland State to a NCAA tournament. They've had success, so McMahon and the players he brought, he can he can these guys can help him. They can you know vouch for him to the other players. They can help him instill the culture, the the know how what you know what he wants. They can help get that across to all these other guys on the team. I think that's a, a great asset, and. Uh, he grabbed his two best players and, and brought them with him. And that's something that's also underrated in this transfer world. It's like, what co- what can you bring with you if you're a good coach moving up from a mid-major? In many ways, it's almost going to be a prerequisite of the job or like a kind of a necessity that you, if you're moving up, you better bring some good players with you because the other coach is probably taking some with him. And uh, and it's just the cycle of, of how it goes. You know, if he's... <laughs> If he got fired, he might bring them with him to the landing spot that he goes to. So it's just a some it's an interesting dynamic. This, this transfer portal has created different layers and different. You got to peel them back. You got to kind of understand where they're good. And we're all just in it right now, trying to to figure it out. Especially with the NIL money, it's why it's a wild time, and it's uh, it's drinking from a fire hose a lot of times. And I think these coaches are. You know, I've heard on podcasts are working twenty four seven, just trying to figure it out, the different angles, and who knows when it's going to get to normal. At least to a spot where people have a grasp of it. And even as someone who's just tracking this stuff and following along, the coaches they have to they have to know what on their board, like who's going where, and kind of the hierarchy, and you know what is our next target when we lose the target A. You know, so. I get it. It's a lot of work right now. I'm actually super excited about that May 1st deadline. I'm hoping that things will slow down a a bit after that because it is drinking from a fire hose literally the last month. Just doing this. I mean, it's fun. I enjoy it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. But at the same time, it's uh, you got to keep it watched. And and I, I can only imagine as a coach where you really need to know every little aspect of what's going on, who's going where, you know, and also you're, you're calling these guys and, and, and searching them out and doing the research as well. So yeah, it's a, it's busy time for those guys for sure. Okay. So let's just round out the class. Deandre Golston. This is a guy that he played with Patrick Baldwin. If you're not familiar with him, Patrick Baldwin, his father got him to come to Milwaukee he was like a top 12, 15 recruit, something like that. He played like shit, by the way. Didn't play well at all. And DeAndre Goldstein also didn't play well at all. He had been much better in previous years. But, I, you know, I, I kind of write that off as like, you know, the new freshman that was inefficient comes in, you know, daddy's boy. And he didn't get a chance to I, – I, I just – I can excuse this year because it was a, it was kind of an odd year. I mean, the guy got a lot of usage, kind of 
probably took a lot of the spots that Goldstein would have been in. So that's a good get for them. I think it's a good reclamation project. And they were also able to add Nick Honor from Clemson, who's a little bit short. He's not small. He's 205 pounds, 5'10", 205 pounds, built like a damn tank, apparently, a little tank. But still a tank, man. That's uh, that's some. If you're a basketball player and you're 5'10", 205, that's noticeable, you know, like you're a running back or something. Seven points, 2.4 assists, 13 PER. He was – Leading scorer at Fordham, I think, a few years back, fifteen points a game. I like, I like the, I like the class. I like the overall class, especially when you factor in the two junior college players. The number one player, Muhammad Diwa, I think is his name. We'll follow up on that. Do more research next time and uh, get those guys included. You know, we got plenty of time, guys. These aren't these aren't completed classes. I know they're going to keep adding people, so we'll talk about them. Continuing on. Providence, Clifton Moore is their center, the probably their best recruit. Six foot ten, two twenty, average thirteen points, six rebounds, couple blocks at LaSalle, twenty-one PER. They also got Bryce Hopkins from Kentucky, who didn't do much. Two points, six foot six, two twenty, was a top twenty, thirty top player out of high school. You know, big gift for them regardless. I don't rank him as highly as other people, but Moore was ranked pretty high, certainly in the top 50 or so for me. Devin Carter, also from South Carolina, doesn't shoot threes. That's my only knock on him, or he would be higher. Average uh, 10 points, four rebounds a game, 18 PER. As a freshman, that's a hell of a get because he can improve. Even though he's hard to build, hard to build around a six foot three guard that can't shoot three pointers, still a very good get. And they also got Noah Locke, who is a proven three point shooter from Florida and Louisville. Averaged about 10 points a game this year. Averaged 10 points a game several years in his career. That's a hell of a class, man. You put this class together, that's a hell of a class. That might even be better than Missouri's class. Certainly a couple of uh, higher-ranked players in there. But, yeah, uh, just looking at it now, I mean, it's, you know, these top three, uh, excuse me, two through uh, four. I mean, these are these are they're they're close. There, there's not much that there's not a lot that differentiates the class. They're all very close, but you know, I think there it's pretty obvious that they are some of the top classes. My next class, I think I'm gonna skip over and give them their own mid-major podcast. And it's not because I don't think that they are worthy. I I would have them ranked right right here, the next the next spot, but. The thing is, they got seven players. We'd be here all night, <laughs> and that's the that's the common theme between some of these uh, mid to low major classes is that they they've just they've racked up, and I think they have honestly some great high end talent. I'm talking about Bryant University, who has killed the portal portal absolutely killed it. I'm very impressed with what they've done, and I want I want to spend more time on them. You know, we've been talking here 20 minutes, so I. I'm just going to move along to some of the smaller P5 type classes and just knock that out. And we'll we'll dedicate a, a larger podcast to the Bryant, Youngstown State, Sacramento State, some of these other guys that are also in my top 20 classes right now. So we'll talk about that. So let's just skip over them with their seven commits. Awesome class, by the way. Arkansas, who, and we'll move through these next ones a little bit faster. Arkansas, they have the Mitchell brothers from Rhode Island, 
both <laughs> all the thing I didn't get quite about Arkansas is they all four of their players are like post players. So I guess they've got that on lock now, but they can't all really play together. That's what's a little bit yeah, not as cool about their class, but they're all productive. They all had about a eighteen to twenty PR. Uh Trevon Brazil from Missouri. I had him highly ranked. All these guys are in the my top ninety though. So four whatever it is, four four top ninety players. Uh Brazil, he was ranked the highest of the bunch. Six foot nine. They're all six foot nine or above. I think Eric Musselman is a great coach. I think these non traditional coaches like JUCO coaches, uh Musselman from the G League and NBA circles, they they just know how to flip rosters. They don't they don't give a shit. They're just like gonna go get go, they're gonna go get a new team and the, make the best team they can. They don't have loyalties, it seems like they're used to flipping rosters and guys, you know, moving along, and they help them move along. I would imagine, but you know, this is a good team, a good a good class. But it's just it's kind of uninteresting to me. I mean, I, I don't understand why these guys would all agree to go play there. I mean, it's literally, you know, four power forwards, and they're all awesome. You got Jalen Graham from Arizona, Trevon Brazil from Missouri, uh, the Mitchell brothers from Rhode Island. They're all like six foot nine, six foot ten type guys that can shoot a little bit from the outside and play some good defense. I mean, I like it. I like don't get me wrong, wrong, I like it and I guess they'll they'll figure it out, but you're only going to get two of them on the court at the same time. I think I said Jalen Graham was from Arizona. He's from Arizona State, but same difference. I mean, it doesn't change this calculus. It's uh four power forwards, man. Unless unless one of them can suddenly start dribbling and I think Brazil would have been the 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 best bet on that, and he's like a he likes two shots a game in like twenty minutes. So you want his ass under the basket, absolutely. But I, I think these coaches, I think Musselman, he's very transactional. He's gonna put together the best team, and he hunts the portal like very few coaches. He's definitely one of the top ten coaches in portland i would say i haven't done a deep dive on how many scholarships he's got left or anything but i would guess he's gonna have more players <laughs> or transfers coming into the i don't think he's done i'll say that i don't think he's done okay let's move on to arizona state which i thought was an awesome class and the i think one reason why it's underrated is because they have two brothers that are playing together and they also have a brother and another guy who played on the same team. So the the chemistry should should just move in automatically. That's a underrated aspect. They're getting Warren Washington and Desmond Cambridge from Nevada, who were both twenty plus PER guys. One's a seven foot one, two fifteen guy. I think he also played in the Pac twelve as well. Cambridge, he shoots threes, sixteen points, five rebounds, six foot four guard. Then he's got his brother from Auburn coming in, who was not quite as productive. Six foot six, two fifteen. Didn't shoot the three. You don't like that quite as much, but I like the chemistry aspect. You get the two brothers. You get the the two teammates. That's one thing in this portal age, man. Is is the chemistry? The chemistry is obvious. It has to be hurt, you know. Like guys, you're rebuilding a whole team. The chemistry, I think, is a it's. You know, it's, I wouldn't say it's, chemistry is important. But when you can get good players, you, you get the good players and you figure it out. And by the end of the year, they will be playing well together. I just think it takes longer. Obviously, in a perfect world, you get, you know, 
five top one well shit five top 50 people five top 50 players uh freshmen out of high school and you have them four years but you know that's not the perfect world that is not the world that is being created right now and i think that's the reason why you see coaches like jay wright retiring it's sped up the process for for this craziness that no one could like wrap their hands around and and you got to like just work it you it's like work intensive you know when someone points at the portal you can point back and say chemistry but you know it's it's just a rock solid thing that you're going to be able to maintain players that have chemistry i don't think so in the portal age i really think that you know you got to figure out this how to get them money you got to figure out how to keep them you got to figure out how to keep them happy is the bigger the bigger thing you know you can't have a guy sitting on the bench because why would he sit on the bench he could go play anywhere and like and coaches are going to make him promises like why are you playing 16 minutes a game you can come play 32 for me just double that shit come on man come on and i got a little bit of money too like you're not you're not a, a key player there you're probably not getting you know a big big amount of money it's crazy man this is crazy times in college athletics i love it personally just because it's crazy you know it's like awesome but you know it's literally there are guys that are making more money than the the coaches they face the coach there's like great mid-major coaches like i think bob mckillop mckillop at uh davidson makes like four or five hundred thousand dollars a year their guy's getting paid two, two times, two, three times that. I think Sheboy got two million dollars this week. It's, it's a crazy nutty time to be in, uh, in college basketball or, or following it. But it, that's what makes it fun. It's a good time because we got lots to talk about. And I think I've talked enough today, guys. I've had a good time. We'll get back and we'll talk about Bryant. We'll talk about the other mid-major classes and just wrap up a few of the other classes and what who has committed and what they've done, I think. But I'm ready to get out of here. We'll get you out of here. Go check out the Transfer Tracker, the TransferTrackerPodcast.com. Check that out and check it later. At Vanguard, this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and Vanguard is here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor, you're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.